Bam, we're live. Whoa. We're live? We're live. <laughs> oh, good morning. Laura Horvat, when are you coming on the show? How come <laughs> I don't see anybody? Hey. Do you see that? Do you see that? Is something wrong with the show? Is the show not live? Did I no. screw something up? We have comments coming in. What do you mean? Oh, it's just 35. Oh, there it is. There it is. There it is. Okay. It takes a minute. Sometimes it's lag. Uh, we are here. Good morning, guys. Fun show today. Easy show. I slept so good on days like this when I know Jason and Brian are going to be here. I'm just like, oh, shit, this is going to be a fucking slam dunk. Um, uh, do you actually I, stay up at night? Like, do you actually, in all seriousness, do you actually stay up at night thinking, oh, shit, I have a guest on that might not show up, right? Number one. Yeah. yeah or yeah. it's going to be really rough. Uh, do you actually like worry about that at night? Not that, but it, it's more like um, just ripping on Brian jokes, beard jokes. It will just be like pouring through my brain and which one to use. Oh, shit. Oh, my God. I can't believe I just thought of that joke to say about Jason Klepa. I don't I, I, Can I? That one's so nasty. Can I just push it away? That one cannot come out. It's more seriously. It's more like that. Uh, do not give that person any more attention. Um, but Laura Horvat deserves attention. Uh, Jason Kalipa, uh, the 2008 CrossFit Games winner, is here with us. He is from an era before CrossFit uh, Games athletes were pussies and complained. Uh, so he is a little out of touch, but he'll do his best to, um, to you know, give, give perspective from the Stone Age. He's also an extremely successful businessman, as you guys know. He's continued the uh, tradition that he comes from of spreading uh, – um, just just basically health to the world. Uh, you can go to NC Fit and see all of his great work. Uh, we have Brian here, uh, the premier journalist at, who comes from the highly respected periodical, The Morning Chalk Up, uh, which is for sale. So anyone who can rub two nipples together can uh, reach out to Justin LaFranco and make a bid on it. It's all true, all true. Um, and we have Matt Souza. What are you still doing on the front end? Go away. Bye. Okay. Um, the open is upon us. Well, almost. It's exciting. This is this is this is exciting. This is when we, we find out who is the fittest person in the world who can do a workout. Although only three workouts kind of bums me out. But three weeks. We out, three weeks. Three weeks, right? Oh, three weeks. But we find out who the fittest person in the world is w- when you get a break. So, I got <laughs> a couple a questions. I mean, I'm I'm being honest. Go ahead, Jason. Go ahead. Yeah, I got a couple questions. So maybe Brian can can highlight this. I think for anybody listening, um, I don't, I'd love to summarize what the game season actually looks like right now. And then I'd also like to, to think, I think from a gym owner perspective, I do think adjusting it from five weeks to three weeks was preferred from a gym owner perspective, five weeks for a lot, a lot of years. It, it became tough when you're running gyms, and you're trying to really have like these Friday night lights. Now over the years, our gym kind of transitioned out of that as much, but there was a while where every week for five weeks, we're going at it. And it just kind of gets a little exhausting. So I think the three-week model, I actually don't think is bad. Um, but I am curious about the whole season because I like to think that I, you know, I read the morning chalk up. I, I listen to Savon. I try and keep up. And I really don't know exactly what's happening from a game season perspective. I know we have quarterfinals, semifinals. But how is that all working? Savon, you, do you know? Uh, no, I don't know either. Um, it's, it's a it's a totally uh, fair perspective. What what um, he's saying. My my perspective on wanting five weeks is five weeks is just from the shallow perspective of just wanting to um, 
I just feel like it's a better test on picking out who who the best is. And I put a lot of weight on the open. I think that if you win the open, it's no secret that you deserve three hundred thousand dollars and deserve. I sound like I'm a Canadian. You deserve uh, three hundred thousand dollars and you deserve some sort of title. It really is a incredible feat. And the reason why it's such an incredible feat is because Jason could take first place on workout one, two, three, and four. And then take 800th place, which would still be amazing on workout five because there's fucking God knows how many hundred thousand people in this class. And now all of a sudden not even be in the top 10. And that's why I think the open is so amazing. It really puts a premium. Okay. So on- okay, go ahead. Yes. We, you guys have brought up like a dozen important topics here. I think maybe we'll work backwards. <laughs> okay. So not only is is uh, is Kalipa it- wins though. Sorry, before you go, Brian, Kalipa does win the one on what's best for affiliates. I have no opinion there. Like I have fucking no clue. I, I defer to him one hundred percent. I would just say he's right. Uh, uh, hey, I, okay, I, I like Jason's comment. By the way, I remember him complaining a good bit when Dave wouldn't wouldn't let him compete with a team of three. What a bitch! So. Who said that? Don't. Wait, where are you saying uh, that? Jason, Jason Watkins. I know what he's talking about. Uh, what he's talking about is uh, at the at the games one year. Uh, we had Miranda get hurt, and we were trying to finish out all the events with less people on the team. And I mean, he's making it a joke, but yes, I was complaining because I wanted to actually compete with less people. Uh, but who's Jason, a bitch? You or Dave? I don't. I don't know who he's saying is a bitch. No, no, no. What he, he's he's making a joke, saying like he's joking that I was being a bitch, meaning like we were trying to do the same amount of work with just less people. We we actually didn't finish last in a in a in a sled pull event with with one less person. But anyways, I'm not bitter about it. Would you have beat? Oh, sorry, Brian. Sorry, Brian. Would you have beat Rich Froning's yes. team that yes. year with just yes. three people? They would have won if they'd been. If they'd been no. They had so many points. I I think if they'd been allowed to finish, they would have won anyway. Oh Damn. man, I I I'm don't have. Certain, I'm not it. certain of that, but prior to her getting injured, they were the best team that year. We can say that. And I feel very confident saying that. I I'm think what sure I think what Tyler's saying Persian. I'm pretty sure it was racist. <sighs> well, <laughs> because I'm Persian. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And you know, you know, Mexicans hate Persians. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> long, long history of that. <laughs> anyway, so I guess we'll start from the beginning. I I do agree with Jason that the three weeks compared to five weeks is much more manageable, and I think just overall more fun for affiliates. Um, it's easy to say, Hey guys, for the next three Fridays, we're doing this or whatever you want to say, but five weeks, it gets to be long and you have to be like pretty bought in. And you know, the workouts tend to evolve where the first one or two is very accessible to everyone. And by the third one, there's a, there's something that most people can't do, which is okay. But then when there's still two more weeks after that, and you've already had one, you can't do, it's a little bit of a letdown for a lot of people. Whereas in this case, and if we saw if the programming this year is anything like it was last year, the first two are super accessible and the last week tested people in a different way where there was going to eventually be a higher barrier to entry. But that was the last week. So it was seemingly more appropriate. Uh, okay. I, I, I just want to start by saying something about the Open. So here's my opinion on the Open. I think the Open is, if I'm not mistaken, the largest physical uh, – the largest sporting event in the world in terms of total participants as a singular thing. Uh, at its peak, I think it had, what, 400,000 maybe, Savon? I, I could be wrong, or Brian, you yes, might know. Yes, I think like 462 or something. 
Yeah. And the one of the things that's interesting about the Open um, is that it wants to cast a wide net. And I'm curious what's going to happen with this year with HQ because they want to make it inclusive because they want to get as many people to sign up as possible. So normally the first workout's like, for example, seven minutes of burpees, which oddly enough, when that workout first came out, I thought it was stupid. Then I did it a bunch of times because I want to try and set the best a score. A bunch of times? Oh, I, I, I probably did it 10 times. Um, anyways. Uh, but but I think they're going to try and cast a wide net and make it inclusive. But then they also want to test for the fittest. And so it, it is interesting, this dynamic they have, where they need to incorporate some complexity, some challenging movements to really get the right people to move on to the next stage, right? Not just these, you know, typically, for example, if it was a seven minutes of burpees, that's going to cater towards one type of athlete versus heavier or more complex type workouts. But those like handstand walking and things like that, they're not very fun necessarily or inclusive in the gyms. So it becomes difficult to run these as an affiliate or as a uh, as a gym. So I, I'm curious what they're going to do this year and how they're going to balance complexity and challenging with inclusiveness because that's ultimately what they're trying to do. Yeah, and this is um, kind of where I was thinking of starting was the fact that uh, what Savan mentioned is you could do great on several workouts. And if one workout is a bust for you relative to the rest that it, it used to be a lot more detrimental. Now it doesn't really matter so much because of the quarter, the way the quarterfinals is structured, where if you're actually a contender to make it to the semifinals, even you're going to get through the open just fine. And then the quarterfinals is where you can't really afford to have that kind of a mistake, especially depending what continent you're competing in. Um, but Sousa, I think to help out, Maybe everyone, we could pull up the uh, schedule from the the last, I think it was the Hopper, the last Hopper episode article uh, email that CrossFit yeah, sent out. What is this Hopper thing I keep hearing about? What is that? Like, it's I know just it's a the name for a new is, publication but... that they have. And at the very bottom of this one, there's something that says 2022 CrossFit game season schedule. And it's actually laid out pretty, like in a very simple, basic with no extra information there. <clears throat> Wait, so the Hopper is the the CrossFit Games new? It's like a newsletter. It's it's their it's yeah. their kind of like in house morning chalk up. Sure, Bro, they don't they send it out every day. Editor, huh? Yeah, they send it out infrequently, and and as far as I, I don't know if there's any like consistency. Like you're definitely going to get one every two weeks, every month. I don't know anything like that. But here's a very like it's very simply laid out. You see the open lasts for three weeks, and then. What I really think for the you know the people who are actually competing in this sport to try to advance throughout the season is that the quarterfinals is is an extension of the open because it happens two weeks after and therefore it's still five weeks to qualify for the semifinals, which is the equivalent of regionals from the old model. However, you see that if we would go back up there to the um, uh, the quarterfinals, you know and that that's quarter online, Brian. So the quarterfinals are gonna be online as well. Quarterfinals will be online. And there's three, you know, there's kind of three different groups in that stage of the season, but each of those groups will have a series of tests over one weekend. So there's not a specified number. Last year, I think there were five for the individuals, maybe also for the teams, maybe actually all, for all three divisions, I think there were five. So that's kind of what the expectation is. You do three weeks of testing to get to the quarterfinals, and then you have one weekend of testing. And that's where like, you know, you really, that's the test that the competitors in CrossFit are like they can't mess that one up. And what were the dates for the open? Let me just see real quick one more time. Uh, okay. Feb 24th. February 24th to March 14th. And then basically you take, you know, a week or two uh, of like a 
I mean, to prepare for quarterfinals, which I imagine if you're at the top of the sport, you're not really gonna have to worry about the quarterfinals. But if you're trying to just on the fringe, you're probably tripping, right? You this is a really interesting model because you know, previously when I was really competing a lot, you had the open, then you had regionals, then you had the games, then you had Team USA or or the depending on if you got invited to the invitational. And when that season is pretty long, you know, you got to kind of be on your game for a long time. And so athletes right now, I imagine are just starting to really get ramping up. Like if you're at the highest level, you're, you're looking at the open in terms of, you know, like for me, I would look at it in terms of what type of workouts can actually be done on a worldwide scale in the, in the brick and mortar. And you with a super limited equipment list that they've already announced. Oh, they have. Yeah. Yeah. So you start tailoring some of the stuff towards that. Then you say, okay, well, quarterfinals are still online. So you know that I'm not going to be, you know, swimming, for example, you know, or running or running really. And so then, you you know, then you start preparing for the semifinals, which could be a little bit more broad. And then ultimately when you start preparing for the games, that's when you really start doing significant amounts of work on odd object, you know, long, slow distance type stuff, because those aren't really going to come up. I don't think in the open, like, I mean, the most open workouts can be sub 20 minutes for sure. Quarterfinals probably will too. Semifinals will probably have one longer event, but for the most part, sub 20. And then the games is really where you're going to get a little bit longer events, I think. Brian, what is the longest open um, workout in the history of the open? Do you know? Well, <laughs> well, sometimes the clock has mattered not, Savan. Okay. And in that case, there's people who've done workouts for well over an hour. But in terms of a fixed time domain, the 20 minute AMRAP is kind of the, the longest that they'd, that they'd set. Um, and honestly, hopefully in those, even in those workouts that are for time, they're not meant to be taking more than 20 minutes. Okay. Yeah. And Savon, just like from a gym owner perspective, you know, we're, we, we, this year at NC fit, we also have the NC fit collective, which we put out programs to gyms all over the world. And we, we had to do a really deep dive into, do we want to have the open workout as the main workout and have an optional workout? Or do we want to have the main workout be whatever we program and have the open workout be optional? And this is probably the last year that we'll have in our one of our tracks, the, the open workout is the main workout. And then we're going to provide another option because it is challenging as a gym owner to not know what's coming up on a Friday and just get the workout on a Thursday night and have to go out there and create a session plan for our coaches, make sure they're prepared to do it and then execute it. But also what's really difficult is it's outside of our control what the workout's going to be. So you're going to have to have multiple heats. If it's long, you know, how, how does that work? Um, one year, for example, we had overhead walking lunges. It's very difficult to do in the confines of a brick and mortar. These are the, the, the concerns I think from a gym owner. So I'm curious how they, how they approach it this year, especially without Dave being on board and, and the changes that have been happening at HQ. Jason, is that, is that really, uh, sorry, I'm going to push here a little bit. So the, those are the reasons there's no other reasons. There's no, like, I'm like, Hey, you want a distance from CrossFit or, Hey, you guys are going to start your own cro- um, uh, fittest competition. Really? It's the fact that it just comes out with too short of notice. Yeah. It's, You're it's, saying it's, if they would give it in advance that you would probably keep it. Well, I like the idea, you know, we've been doing these workouts at our gym for a decade. Right. And I think it's, it's great. And it's good community engagement and whatnot. But ultimately, our community has shifted over the years. So at one point, I mean, man, we'd have Friday night lights. I'd be in there doing the workouts. It was it was wild, right? But it also caused a lot of disruption in the gym, especially for athletes that really have no interest in competing. It, it caused a lot of like, what's going on? What's going on, right? Because maybe they weren't aware of the games. Right. And so, so what's challenging about the open from a gym owner perspective is that it's outside of our control in terms of workouts. Now, granted it's only three weeks instead of five, which is a big deal. Right. 
makes a big difference. But it is difficult to try and program your week out and then have this outlier that you have no control over. And so they could hypothetically program something like wall walks, handstand walks, and overhead lunges, things that really don't accommodate the majority of the people in your class or GH or whatever. And they can't do GHC because they already give out the equipment list. And we would be at the the kind of like the mercy mercy of whatever that is. So that is a major factor, I would say. So it's not um, political. It's not ego is what you're saying. That's where I'm digging at. It's not like, no. fuck, I'm done with this bullshit. It, no, it, it, no, it's no, all I, practical because you do like the open. You do want it would be cool to participate, but it's just it's not it's not practical to the from a business perspective or for your members. Yeah. And it's also not as much of an interest for our athletes as it used to be. So, okay. for example, we used to have you don't think that don't, that's bias on your part because your your interest is waning and maybe so you're projecting it onto them or hundred percent. Yes, absolutely. The the owner of the head coach have to be bought in as well. <laughs> I right. Like, I like it instead of being like, no, no, no. You're like, yeah, well, yeah, hundred yeah. <laughs> percent. Like, like when the head coach is really bought in or when I'm really bought in, right. Yeah. Of course the athletes going to get excited. It's like, if you do anything, um, yeah. the more excitement they feel from you, like if you're doing a nutrition challenge, they're going to jump in. But if you're talking about nutrition challenge, but you're not actually doing it or really living it or whatever, of course they're not going to be excited about it. And that's ultimately what we're seeing. Um, in addition, you have any not- games athletes in in the NC fit, um, uh, collective inside of those gyms that you oh, have yeah. in Cal in your California gym specifically, do yeah, you have well, any game, um, you know, people, well, aspirational games athletes. We have a handful. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. But, but the, but the thing is, uh, Savon, I think what's also important to note is like, um, the, uh, our members interests have shifted, right? A lot of them joined us 10 years ago when they were 25. Now they're 35. They have kids. They might not look at the open the same way. They like doing the workout, but it's also important to note that if you're not a technical affiliate that you have to then film all these, if you actually want to upload your scores. And so there is a factor there, right? I think so, they've actually made an, a, a new amendment this year so that that's not the case. Really? You can do you can do the workout anywhere in the presence of for someone who's done the online judges course for this season, and that's as good as doing it at, at an affiliate with or oh. without a video. Well, then there you go. So people are going to hate that, but you know what? <clears throat> my my immediate thought is I love that. Well, I one of the main that. reasons, you know, it's I do think it's positive. I think one of the main reasons I did that is because there are still parts of the world where gyms are closed, and so if you have forced to do it in your garage or or somewhere else, that they w- needed to, you know. Like you might be a member of an affiliate, but not have access to that affiliate still. So you need uh, a place to do it. Hey, Lauren, I, I agree. Like good coaching can adjust just fine. I totally get that good coaching, a good coach can adjust a workout just fine. Totally agree with you. At some point though, you start saying to yourself as a business owner, I want to be in control of as many factors as I possibly can with my business. And this is one that's outside of my control. And I'm choosing to pull it into my business at some point. Maybe you decide you don't want to do that anymore, but if it's a great community engagement, you have Friday night lights, your members love it. Keep doing you. All I'm saying is that for us, we take that in consideration. That's it. And yes, as I said before, we are having it as the main workout for our Metcon program, not our X program. So I'm still on the train. I'm just saying we're having good conversations about how long are we going to be on it for? That's it. And you have a nice back and a nice baby. I have a nice back. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's a picture of her back holding it with a baby's face, like peeking up over it. It was cool oh, photo. that was Savon talking about your back and your baby, not me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, I am the back and baby talker. Okay, Brian, I'm liking it. I'm digging it. We're starting to get a hold of it, Brian. Um, to address uh, Jason's question, is it our fault? Like, I, I'm so tired of hearing people um say what Jason said, but I'm in the same boat. Like, 
this is so hard to follow. It, are we just being babies or is it hard to follow? Cause, cause I, I agree with Jason, but like, I want to take some ownership for it. Like, come on, really? It's just an open quarterfinal semifinals. How hard is that to follow? No, the, the skeleton of the season is not, I don't think it's that hard to fo- follow. And I actually really like the way that it's designed and laid out. And I think that CrossFit's making a lot of choices, decisions, and actions this year that are actually making the stuff that Jason's talking about as being potentially frustrating, easier for anyone who wants to do the open, putting the equipment list out, having it be so simple as it is. I mean, they've uh, said you need wall space. They have, they specifically did not say that you need any space to traverse distances. So there is no 25 feet of space you need. And what I see here is that the things that are on the open list is also in a way communicating to people who are serious about the sport and the season, what's on the quarterfinal list. So the stuff that's missing from there, like the rings are only listed for the adaptive division for the open. Presumably you can assume those will be in play for this quarterfinals for the individuals. Same with ropes, GHDs, feet of space that you need to traverse, wall balls, rowing, those types of things that are all missing from the open. And those things that are missing are all of the things that are going to be really, really different, difficult logistically if you don't have access to a gym, which we already said is the case for some people around the world. So that's fair, fairly accessible in terms of equipment. And then, you know, the the thing is, like we've been, um, this will be my ninth open and I've, you know, coached many, many years of people through the open and pre- prepared for it. And I think that uh, we're more like more prepared than ever to program up to and through the open this year, especially because it's only three weeks. And we've been, you know, kind of planning that for months leading into it based on the training cycles that we're in the, and the kind of layout that we have for a, we're in a, like a two week cycle for our strength stuff right now that ends with, um, you know, a gymnastics and a conditioning day specifically that are, we're going to kind of omit for those weeks during the open and allow for people who want to rest on Thursday to rest on Thursday. And if people who don't, they'll have a very like low intensity, probably focusing on the machines type workout that we know we won't be getting on Friday. Hey, Savon, back to your point. Like, are we being babies? I think, yeah, yes, we are. I think that, that it is relatively easy when you look at it the way they have it. Hey, we're going to do an open, which is going to be three weeks of this. Then we're going to go to quarterfinals that are online. Then you have semifinals that are in person, and then you have the games. However, I think the reason why some of us kind of make it seem like it's a bigger deal than it is, is because of the back and forth and our preconceived biases and all this thing that's gotten us to this point right now. If you just came into the picture, someone say, hey, what's the sport of fitness or, or CrossFit Games? How does the process work? Like, well, it starts here, it goes here, it does this. Like, okay, cool. But if you were back in the day where it was just the games, remember that, Savon? Yeah. Then, then <laughs> anyone had, show up. I, you're saying it's changed so much that not, like we can't figure out where we're going to land. The people. That's right. Then forever. it goes to sectional. Then from right. sectionals, it goes to regionals. And, and and all I'm saying is that I, I do think at this point they've done a really good job uh, solidifying it. But I think the reason why we make it a bigger deal than it probably needs to be is because of just all the changes in the last couple of years. So. You know, and, and granted, there's been a lot of factors that are outside the game's control that have led to that, like COVID and, and all kinds of, of challenges. So I guess what I'm trying to say is like I could take some ownership and say that the season doesn't seem as difficult as as before. But I think the reason why I've gone back and forth is because, for example, they just released another sanctional and they just kind of solidified this whole structure. Semi-final. Or semi-final. That's to, that's to your point. Yeah, yeah so that is to your point. All I'm saying is that I come with some biases because I've been around the industry for so long that I think if someone new came in and looked at this, he'd be like, okay, that makes sense. It, it would be nice. They need to kind of put out a, um, uh, 
and maybe they do, and I just haven't seen it, but just a weekly like letter, it, it, just completely ignoring the teams, completely ignoring the um, uh, age groups and the kids and all that. And just every week or have someone who's available to go on all the podcasts who just tells you what's going on. They need a really, really solid, like one page release every week of just what's going on in first place is here for men and women, just, just somewhere that you can latch onto, you know, like the UFC, there's the top 15 in every category, but they only focus on the top three and the athletes get upset, but who cares? Like this is for the fans. Like something like, you, you know, yeah, Mercedes-Benz you know, has to have the airbag 10 years before the, the Kia has it. I mean, it just is that way. Th- this is going to be a really important year for the games, in my opinion, because... Uh, yes, um, yes. And, and I'll tell you why. I, I think you'd probably agree. So there's a lot of people that are currently in CrossFit as affiliates who've been in for at least three, five, seven, ten 10 years, a lot of them. And these people were bought into the culture, the community, but the challenge is that CrossFit's a business and they were sold and there's certain now changes that are going to occur. But a lot of these affiliate owners were bought into Dave and, and the way he did the open, the way he did things, which is fine. And that was his way. And people knew exactly what they were going to get. And I think a lot of affiliate owners enjoyed that. But this year is going to be really big because I don't know how many affiliate owners are going to feel as bought in to the open and the process as they did two years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, even. And so I'm wondering, based on what we're talking about, and I know there's gym owners on this uh, YouTube right now, like CrossFit Ana. I totally get it. For their gym, dude, this is a great community engager. It brings people to the gym. They fire people up. They bring their friends in. Hell yeah. But it stems from the head coach or the owner. So how many of these head coaches and owners feel like there's been a lot of changes in CrossFit? Maybe they're not in alignment with the Dave being removed. I'm not, I don't have an opinion. I'm just saying. And they're not going to get as. Oh, behind. you have an opinion. You uh, we just haven't. We just haven't of, dug it out yet. Of course, I have an opinion, but they don't. <laughs> but they don't feel as bought in to where CrossFit's going or the open. And so, if they're not as bought in, they're not going to encourage their members as much to pay the twenty bucks or whatever it is. So, I'm wondering what the open numbers are going to look like uh, this year. I think it's going to be a really pivotal. I hear year. they're good. I hear they're good. I hear they're very well, good you're, compared to the last two years. Well, you're not going to hear if they're bad. I don't. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> good point. <laughs> good point. We'll see. No, and I mean, no, a lot, I would hear. I'm hearing from people who probably don't want it to be good that it's very good that they're doing an amazing job. I went over to oh, the CrossFit Games Instagram today too, and and I and it, it looks like they're working hard. Sorry, go ahead, Brian. No, and and I mean, we'll see. There's still two weeks till the open starts, and a lot of people sign up right towards the end, or even the first weekend after the first workouts announced. So, I don't like to get too ahead of myself in terms of that stuff for now. But I think that. You know, Jason's right. Whatever community you're a part of, if the leader of the community is not about the CrossFit Open this season, then most of the community is not going to be either. And if they are, then they'll get a lot of buy-in. And I would encourage anyone who doesn't sign up for the Open to take that $20 and add another $10 to it and go over to uh, Life as RX and purchase a shirt. And that money, that money that you spend on the CEO shirt, it will not go to uh, my favorite charity. It will not go to a local charity. It will not go to a charity of your choice. It will go into my hands, the money I make, into my pocket, and I will spend it like um, – I will spend it at people who provide services to my family, like the guy who teaches my kid jiu-jitsu, the people at the farmer's market who um, pick the watermelons and bring them in the car. That's how I will spend your money. So you can have that nice shirt, and then I will take your money and enhance my life with it and then spread and spend it at local businesses in my area. If, hey. if you don't use – if you don't join the – even if you join the Open you got an extra 30 bucks, please buy the shirt. Thanks. Savak, can you get me a coffee with that money? 
<laughs> if you if you drive down here with your gas money, hell yeah. Oh man, I'm gonna lose money on that one, man, because I'm gonna drive over the hill. <laughs> I know. Um, Brian, um, do do we have any idea what the workouts are for the open? I mean, I, I saw the equipment list, but is there is there are there any leaks or hints or like like who's who's do we go to Justin Berg's Instagram account? Where do we get the hints and shit this year? I have no idea about uh, any hints or anything Berg. like that. <laughs> But I would guess that's not the place. Um, I don't know if they'll do any kind of hints or anything like that. Um, the workouts seemingly have been known for the you know inner circle there since end of December, early January. I think that they're, the open workouts at the very least were programmed by Dave. And I expect that they will be um, both fun and challenging. But I don't know anything else. They are were, They are the workouts Dave made? I think so. Okay. Yeah. I mean, he was an employee for CrossFit at the time that he designed them. Uh, do they do they own the rights to that work? I mean, not to get all businessy. I'm just curious. Like, um, j- by the way, fitness junkies asking a question. Jason, from a business standpoint, do you feel it's ideal to not to not run a Friday night lights if you are coaching another business? Here's my opinion on on the open. I think that if you, the owner or the head coach, are bought in and you're fired up on the open, dude, have Friday night lights. Bring in the the Coors Light afterwards. Enjoy the experience, right? Embody that culture. Go for it, right? At 5 p.m., we're, it's popping off, right? We're going to cone off the area and we're going to get after it. But if you're not really bought in, then don't try and be something that you're not. You know, if you're if you're not even signed up for the Open and you're going to try and do Friday Night Lights and it's be like, wah, wah, wah. Instead, just don't be about it, right? So that would be my recommendation. That goes for anything you're doing in your business. If you're really bought in and it's really a part of your vision, your mission, your culture, Go for it all in. If you're kind of like one foot in, tiptoeing around it, then then don't go all in. For example, at our gym, we're not all in. So we're not going to do a formal Friday Night Lights. We're going to have a special open gym time if people want to come. We're going to program it as the workout of the day, just like any other workout of the day. And that's the way we're going to do it. But if we were all bought in, fired up like we were five, seven, eight years ago, dude, of course we're having Friday Night Lights. Let's go. Susa, what are you guys doing, Matt, at CrossFit Livermore? Are you guys, um, are you guys doing the... Eh, you know, to Jason's point, I've signed up yeah. for it every single year. I don't know if I'm gonna be able to do it this year. There's, I'm just super busy, and I'm the type of person that, like, if I can't at least put my best foot forward with it, then it just frustrates me when everybody else crushes my scores in the uh, in the gym. So, I mean, we'll have it. We have a couple members that are excited about it, but um, it's definitely not what it was, uh, you know, previous to the um, pandemic response. And also, too, I would like to just uh, kudos Jace on that point that five weeks in a row putting on events every oh, single week. Oh, fuck you guys. Week. Fuck you guys. Oh, so I'm glad it is three weeks. But yeah, that's my take on it. So not not as enthusiastic, but we'll definitely have it because we have some members that are into it. There was this guy in here who, who like Devesh or something from India who like, he, he was my, he's like in my camp. He's like, yeah, let's make it five weeks. And then, and then he says, disclaimer, I never actually did all five. And that's how kind of I am. Yeah. Yeah. Five weeks. I love that. And then like, so the a, put that week, comment by Wesley Fernandez up. <laughs> I Peter out. Uh, uh, yeah. Oh I yeah. Imagine, that's a good one. Imagine Justin Berg posts a hint and the picture is of Dave. <laughs> You'd probably be fired the next week. Yeah. Oh, that would be good. <laughs> anyway, oh, um, Savan, I do have something that I thought might be interesting to you, given how highly you've always ranked the Open, yes, the please. prestige of the Open. So <clears throat> Jason's right. The last several years have been very inconsistent. 
in part due to changes that were self-imposed by CrossFit and in part due to the nature of the way that things happened and unfolded around the world. But this year, the season is very similar in layout um, to last year. And so we can have kind of have a, a, a direct comparison. And uh, last year, of the 40 athletes who made the games for the men and the women, um, 42% of the men also made the top 40 in the open. And 60% of the women also made the top 40 in the open, which means half of the games competitors were also in the top 40 in the open six months before in a very limited scaled down four workout test that was done at their gyms and online with a lot less equipment and a lot less variability in the testing. Half. Yeah. And I, I don't know if it's true. I, I don't know if I believe these games athletes. I don't know what they're saying. That's not because I don't I think they're lying. I think that they themselves don't know. But are they going their hardest? Like there are people are always like, oh, I'm not peaking for the open. I didn't go my hardest. I just did it once. Like, I don't know what they're saying just to relieve pressure on themselves. And I ain't hating on that. I don't blame them at all. Zero judgment. One or, more. One more or, step for you. Yep, please. <clears throat> I think they're trying fairly hard, but I don't think they're in like a peak condition uh, that they would be for a semifinals or a games, like, you know, especially the athletes that are making top 10, top 20 at the games. Anyway, the four, the games athletes last year for the men averaged 83rd worldwide in the open and 61st for the women. Wow. 83rd and 61st. Pretty good. Hey, yeah, that's awesome. Hey, Brian, how many, how many athletes go from the open to the quarterfinals? 10% by continent. So it's a, it's like a big cut obviously, but um, I made the quarterfinals last year and I'm not competitive in any regard or manner. I've just been doing it a while. And then from the, so there were like 8,000 or 9,000 men in North America who made the quarterfinals. And of those 8,000, let's just say uh, 4,500 participated in the quarterfinals and 120 advanced to semifinals. So it's another very drastic cut. Yeah. So when you, when you think about it from an athlete perspective, I, mean, I was always trying to go out there and Personally, I wanted to win the open and I wanted to win the open and I placed well in the open for a lot of years because I was trying to, uh, well, number one is I wanted to kind of like establish this lack of their term, like establish dominance through the open, right? Make people nervous. Like, oh shit, this guy's out there putting up top scores. So the way I would approach it, and I'm just sharing this just for me, I would do the workout on Friday with the, with our crew and I'd post my scores immediately. I wouldn't hold on to them. I wouldn't belabor it. I would put it up. I would do it one and done to show that like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to do this workout. I'm going to immediately put my score up, no waffling, no redoing, no nothing. Just let's go. And that for me was more of a mental thing to tell the other athletes like, Hey, I'm prepared. I'm ready. But I was not in like peak shape for open. I was in peak open shape. And then you start shifting your, your, your mindset and your workouts towards peak regional shape. And then you start shifting to peak game shape the the shape you're in at the game is a lot different than the shape you're in at the open over those next couple of months you shift your training a lot and i imagine a lot of these athletes will be doing the same thing and to um jason's point um Car carla v we have a fucking blast at kinesis uh box and, and yeah it's kyle casperbauer's one great dude amazing guy too yeah amazing games competitor um and, and so helpful to everyone on all levels respects all crossfitters from all fucking levels of participation and in three he, he he's on the affiliate jock that guy's like he's like some sort of he, he works for crossfit i mean so but yeah I, if, if i went to that gym and i didn't even want to do the open i'd probably get sucked up and do it and do it because that guy is such a great cheerleader and, and such a great ambassador of crossfit yeah I ain't do, do you follow him man. on uh do you follow him on instagram Savan? 
I probably do, but I don't. The other thing about the other thing about him is people he's, who have uh, blue check marks. The other Sorry, thing that I really respect about Kyle is he's uh, very confident in in uh, expressing his opinions and his yes. thoughts about things, and he doesn't yes. uh, he doesn't do it like uh, in an empty manner. He has ground, solid ground to stand on, and he's prepared, I think, to have a conversation about those things. So I think he's just a high integrity guy all around. Yeah, we had him on the podcast. Great guest, very smart. Not a pussy. Ah, but he's old school. He's from Jason's era. He's from Jason's era. No? It, uh, yeah. 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 Uh, hey, um, so when on. you used to when you used to win the games for a box of crackers. Yes, Jason. Dude, when you when you used to win the games for a, a pair of do win Oli shoes, that's what it was. <laughs> slightly um, used. Slightly used. Slightly used. Hey, uh the 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 FGL, is that the functional uh, no. What's the FGL? Florida Grid League? Florida I, I know that they're like grid doesn't really exist hardly anywhere else anywhere, but there still is the Florida grid league going on. So I'm not sure if that's what they're referring to. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen. It's going to be, this year is going to be, it's going to be interesting. There'll be fun numbers to look at. I do think more people will register this year. I do think than, than last year. Yeah. Oh, I, mean, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know how it could not be. Well, I mean, I, I definitely think that there'll be more people, but I, I definitely think you have to take into consideration. OG affiliates. Like, if you're an OG affiliate owner, one of the challenges you're running into is that you're so connected to CrossFit. I mean, Savon, you've seen this left and right, right? Where the the owner feels like like they actually are a piece of CrossFit. The challenge is that CrossFit's a brand, it's a methodology, it's a business, it's all these different things, but it changed their life. It saved their life. They lost yes. 100 pounds. Yep. They, yep. It, 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 so what happens is they get this deep connection with this thing that they don't own, have any rights to, and frankly, it's a for-profit business. So when that for-profit business starts making decisions, they start feeling like it's impacting them personally, which is very difficult, which is why you saw a lot of people be so frustrated about Dave. So I'm wondering how many of those OG affiliates that used to be the main drivers of getting new people in the open, I wonder, I really am curious right. how many of them are going to do it this year. Right. Right. I mean, from the stuff I've been seeing, a majority of the of the gyms that have like hundreds of people sign up are already on their way towards that again. Okay. Yeah. Seven, you feel uh, you feel good about the open conversation? I feel great about it. I feel great. I'm excited. I'm excited. Do you want to pick a way? You want to pick who, who's going to win the open this year? You know, actually, I'm preparing an article to write about that because <clears throat> I have last year I wrote an article that was called the Open Elite, and it it highlighted five athletes who'd met a certain criteria in every open workout for I think five consecutive years, and there was only one guy and four women who met the criteria. And there were some that barely missed it. Like Rich Rich missed it by like two seconds on one workout. Kristen Holden missed it by like three pounds on a workout. But it was very high standard that I set for like, you know, five years worth of open workouts. But this year, you know, there's, first of all, like last year, there's actual prize money for winning the open. Now it's only $15,000, but for, for a hey, lot of athletes, $15,000 is pretty, yeah, is, is, is pretty significant. And that's I'm, a three bedroom home in Baltimore. <laughs> and I'm sure that, you know, in, in some athletes cases, there's also some incentives built into some of their contracts where if you also win the open or whatever, that you might get a little bonus money. So some people will definitely be motivated for that. And I'm, investigating right now to try to identify the people who I think are most likely to. Um, I don't necessarily want to give them away now, but I'm, I think that there's a high probability. I will. And I, anyway, I think that there's a high probability that the winner of the open this year for the men comes from Canada and for the women comes from Australia. 
Woo! Oh, uh, Tia and um, Velner. I did yeah. not say any names, and uh, uh, Velner would probably be like third on the list of Canadian men I think might win the Open. Wow. Hey, Brian, did Tia end up uh, – did she end up competing? I, I don't. I, I'm, I haven't been tracking well enough. Did she end up making the? I know that she supported the team that made it to the Olympics for Australia for bobsled. I, I understand that she was she was on that. However, the driver gets to decide who they bring as like this. Right. So she person. was she was not selected for to actually compete at the Olympics. So she worked and qualified oh. their team for the Olympics, um, but she was not selected. And that's apparently not that uncommon in that sport because you, you know, only get the, the one team or whatever. Wait, so she, I thought that, okay, this is kind of, that's kind of not cool, right? So she, <laughs> she helped this woman, the driver, make the Olympic team, like make the Olympics. And then that team qualified, but yet they didn't bring the team on to the actual Olympics. I know that there's a detailed explanation of this in the in a morning chalk up article, um, but it's I'm not sure it's that like mean, <laughs> but uh, so I don't exactly know the details of it. But she, I think that her that she did what she needed to do to help the Australian team qualify, and ultimately wasn't selected for the team. Oh, all right, I gotta go check do, it out. But this is hap- I mean, this is this has happened in other sports too. You know, in swimming, sometimes whatever a, a relay team qualifies, and then they end up selecting a different person on alternate or whatever. So I, I don't think it's totally unprecedented. But for us, who would think obviously it'd be incredibly cool to have the five-time game champ also be an Olympic competitor in a summer and a winter Olympics? Yeah, that's it's a little bit of a blow. I love the way Liz spells her name Samuel. <laughs> That's how that's how I think of it when I say it. Some well, Brian, do you ever get shit? Um, I've uh, p- people will um, do you ever get shit for uh, working at the morning chalk up or get shit for coming on the show from outside people? <laughs> like, I, I want to be super duper clear. I love it that you work at the morning chalk up. I love it that you do other podcasts. I, I mean, and I've, I've been very vocal about this. It just adds integrity or, or depth to not integrity. It adds depth and perspective to what you bring to this show. Like, I. I, I want you to go to all I like, even though I'm disgusted that uh, Matt O'Keefe got you for um, Wadapalooza to do that, because I would rather have you be working with Jason and I. The fact is, is that when you're done with something like that, you get information and perspective that then you can bring to further shows so that if we had you for that show, you wouldn't have it for these f- future shows. It's like always a win for the seven podcast. But some people think that there's some sort of like and, and the morning chalk up and in, in, in the in the fun that I have with those people over there is just great content for me. I mean, it's great for my stand up routine, my stand up shit. So, do do you ever get? Is there anyone in your life who takes it seriously? Like, I cannot believe you go on the Sevon podcast. I cannot believe you work with those people at the morning chalk up. Do you get any of that? Yeah, uh, both of those. Um, <laughs> like anonymously, like anyone close to you, like your dad. Is your dad like? Oh no, God, no, I no. Believe you work at at, at at such a at the morning chalk. Okay, I no, believe it. there's no. There's no one that's like a, a media family or anything that's that uh, says anything like that. They're just happy that I'm, you know, actually working and not the low life taking money from everyone else. Wait, say that. Say, oh, <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. So, so you're you're you, you don't you you like your girlfriend doesn't like um at, at night after you guys have you know hung out a little bit and you're laying in bed and you're smoking a cigarette. Your girlfriend doesn't say to you. Um, I really want you to stop going on the Sevon podcast because the way he talks about Danielle Brandon is so disrespectful to women. You don't, you, no one that close to you. Uh, uh, no. Okay. But there are definitely people that are like, that have asked me and do ask me regularly. Um, 
why I associate with the morning chalk up or why I associate with you. Um, and maybe some other questions also. And I, and I actually appreciate those questions because it gives me an opportunity to self-reflect. And so I can ask like, yeah, why do I write for the morning chalk up? Why do I agree to go on Savant's podcast? Why do I travel to these events? And so I, that's like an opportunity for me to check in and make sure that I guess like my compass is still pointing North and I'm not being distracted by uh, a paycheck or by an agenda outside of what I originally started doing this stuff for, uh, which was that I saw, you know, something that I really gravitated towards and liked that I thought had a lot of opportunity to continue to expand and grow. In particular, I, you know, I have always said this, I would think that um, there's a lot more athletes working really, really hard to get sometimes one opportunity. And if that opportunity comes for them, I feel like we should be prepared to highlight their success in that moment. And I don't think that that was always the case. And I think we're getting a lot better at it now. Who's getting better? The people who cover the sport. Just in totality, all of us. Yeah, broadcasters, oh, so MCs, Am I in that group? Fans. Am I under that umbrella? Uh, just, just on the fringes. All right. Well, hey, I've always, I'm my own umbrella. I've always been good <laughs> at it. I must say, humble, hum, yes. as, as a humble yes. monk who's just trying to. Fringe minority. As a humble monk who's, who swears, where did Susan come from? As a humble monk who's just trying to make it his way in this very dangerous and aggressive world, I've always been good at highlighting the athletes. We even had Fakowski call in yesterday. We no, well, that's actually they want. <clears throat> seven. That's actually exceedingly true. And I, and anyone who's watched your behind the scenes stuff over the years can see that while these documentaries are being made, and even before those are being made, to highlight the one, two, three in the sport, like you talked about with the UFC, you were talking to more people and therefore communicating to the rest of the world, different personalities, different lifestyles, what it takes to get there, what it means to be there and all those other conversations that you had. And in fact, it was your idea for the uh, trolling the leaderboard segment and the CrossFit podcast in 2018 that encouraged oh, yeah. me to reach out to you because what I saw there was finally someone who had a platform to talk about all the cool stories of the open apart from just the, the winner week to week, which was basically all CrossFit was putting out at the time. And so I said, wow, this is a cool opportunity. But then you got really distracted and talked about like your mustache and stuff for 35 minutes. Unacceptable. <laughs> your beard looks really good right now, Savon. For those of you who are you. just listening and not watching, it's like the perfect length right now. Before you had it a lot while ago, it was way too long. Then you didn't have it at it's all. coming but, back. Ah, yeah. Um, coming hey, back. Brian, just real quick, man. I, I, I really appreciate, I'll just share this as like a, a an athlete in the sport. I think it's really important that the athletes continue to get stories told about them, more information, whether it's morning chalk up the Savant podcast or anything of the like, because these athletes need to continue to dive deeper with the audience so that there could be a deeper connection so that the sport can continue to grow. And without people like you and Savant, this is not just a fluff piece. It's the truth. Like, like without you guys putting out this message, the athletes wouldn't have as big of a microphone. They can only share so much, but then you might engage one of the people listening right now to go check out one of these athletes who then builds their following. And now it, it just does really good things for the sport overall. So I think we need to keep telling more stories about more athletes so that people could feel more, you know, bought in to what they're doing. To the person who is asking about semifinals, we have not gotten to the semifinals yet. Let's but get I think to we let's will get, soon. Yeah, yeah, let's oh, get to them. Let's get I to the semifinals. Hey, Matt Burns, shout out. Thanks, man. I thought that podcast was really good too. For anyone who didn't listen to it, uh, you know, shelf, uh, selfish plug, uh, for the effort over everything podcast, we did a really good podcast on red lighting. Um, so make sure you guys check that out. Red lighting or red lining? 
Uh, well, red lighting if you're on the Javon podcast. Red lining if you're. If you're I need a red light. Now. I need a red light. Oh wait, what's it? I'm looking at what's the name of your podcast? Effort over everything. Yeah, effort over everything. I'm looking. We, we've uh, done some rebranding over the years. We did Amram mentality. We did business fitness. Now it's effort over everything. And the most recent episode is called redlining. Should you be redlining? It was inspired by a morning chalk up article, and um, I, I enjoyed the conversation. So. Yeah, I just put a link to the podcast, by the way, down in the uh, chat for anyone who wants to run over and check it out. Don't do it now, though. Don't click it now. (laughs) And you definitely should, because it's a I think it's something that a lot of people misunderstand and that there's a lot that can be learned about that concept and that approach to to fitness. Yeah. Do not ever redline. That's the that's the Sevamatosian approach. Well, I think there's probably a better conversation around it than that. And now people know where to go. Um, okay. Semi. So do we need to talk about the quarterfinals? No, why the quor- do we have just really quick? Why do we even need the quarterfinals? Why not just make it the, the open more aggressive and just go straight to the, uh, semifinals. I, I actually like the, the quarterfinals layout. I, you know, like I said, it doesn't take away from the time frame in which we're advancing people through the season. It used to be five weeks of the open. Now it's three weeks open, one week off, one week quarterfinals. You still have that five week time domain where you have to be good enough to make it through. Uh, and I think that the things that are tested in quarterfinals, you can up the skill and you can up the really, really critical important of competitive CrossFit, which is the ability to recover and repeat an intense effort multiple times in a short time domain. That was not tested in the open unless you're a crazy person like Jason and did seven minutes of burpees 10 times in one weekend. <laughs> <laughs> After that, I stopped repeating the workouts. Um, but yeah, Brian, the quarterfinals, I think, are really important because think about the drop-off, right? So the open is supposed to cast this wide net. It's supposed to be for, you know, the moms and dads, the all these people to feel like they're a part of a worldwide sporting event, which I think is great. The quarterfinals. You see what event, Jason says? Feel like you are. You're not really. Okay, go on, Jason. Uh, yeah. Uh, if you pay the 20 bucks, you're on the board with Jason. You're on the board, baby. And then, and then, you know, and then what happens is ultimately you say, okay, you know, Hey, that was nice. You know, like, you know, good claps, like good vibes, all good. And then we go to the quarterfinals and that's where people who are really taking the sport of fitness, I'd say everybody who goes to the quarterfinals is probably taking the CrossFit space. Seriously. If you're in the top 10%, you're probably, you have aspirations to compete in the sport of CrossFit. Whereas if you're in the bottom 90 or even the bottom 50, let's just say you're probably just doing it as a fun community event. You're enjoying it. So I think the quarterfinals definitely play their part there because then the uh, games team can, can know their audience better, right? They no longer need to cater for the masses. They can now start identifying what they should put out as a better test because then you have a live event coming up with the semifinals. Well, and let me, and let me give you an example and a little counterpoint to that. Cause I think that there's, the quarterfinals is such is still a big, broad group of people. But what it allows for is some like I'm really serious about CrossFit, but I don't have any aspirations to compete. But I've been doing it long enough and smart enough, I think, that I was able to make it last year. But one of the workouts started with 185 pound snatch. That was rep one. <laughs> okay. And I actually I've never snatched 185. During the quarterfinals last year, I actually missed it behind me. But that was like that was actually a good challenge for me. And it was an opportunity for me to get potentially a first thing in the quarterfinals instead of a first thing in the open, because I'm probably not going to get any firsts in the open anymore. Unless it's maybe a PR on a one rep max test or something like that. So there is a group of people who maybe even though they're not that competitive, 
they've been doing it long enough that they're really good and they're competent and they have good pacing and strategy and execution of these workouts and they can make it through and be tested in a different manner because I don't sign up for a lot of competitions. I don't go to any weekend long competitions really. So this might be the only time in the year that I get to do something like that. While at the same time, CrossFit can more precisely identify the next field of athletes. Dude, 185. That's how much did you weigh when you did that? <clears throat> probably, probably 167. I don't know. Damn. Good but job. I'll hit it this year if it shows up. Hell yeah, yeah, you will. Have you hit it since? Have you tried it since? I've hit 175 a dozen times and 180 once. I've only tried 185 one time and I didn't uh, one other day and I don't think I hit it, but I didn't hit it. But it's right there. And I did hit 165 like 10 times in a pretty intense Metcon the other day. So I think I'm on the in right a track. Row or no, singles. singles. It was 10 rounds, uh, like a uh, like an AMRAP. And it was one snatch at 165 starting the AMRAP. But they were ring muscle-ups and strict toes to bar and other things in there that would detract from the, my ability to hit that high of a percentage under fatigue. So I was how's your shoulder it. health? How's your shoulder health? Very good. Yeah. Mm. Good you know, job. that is That's part awesome. of the open that I, I, I miss but I don't miss at the same time. Like when you're in the gym and you got, you know, a hundred people around you, you're trying to go for a PR lift. Or when I was doing the open announcements, those were the most nerve wracking, but also the most rewarding. I mean, dude, those ones were so nerve wracking because it's just you and another person. Um, but then, you know, Hey, get a little uncomfortable. So I, I hope you hit that 185, Brian. Uh, okay, so so we're we're good with the corner finals, and and basically what I'm, my takeaway from your answer is is that the o is what we're really starting to test there is recovery. We got the open; it's in, it, it 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 lets more people compete. Then we go to the corner finals, and then you don't get this rest between the weeks. You got to do everything in, in a a three day period between the twenty fourth and the twenty seventh, and we move to probably some heavier weights too, right? Yeah, heavier weights, higher skills, more complex combinations of movements. Um, and the one thing that is like unknown is if they'll mandate that you must do these two workouts on Friday, you must do these two on Saturday, you must do this one on Sunday. Like, uh, I think they had that last year or the, um, I can't remember let's if they not had that, use that, that word mandate. Let's, just, <laughs> okay, let's, let's well, what, why, why not? No, no, no. That's you're creating, yeah. you're creating something in your head. Savan. you taught, you nice. taught me about this. I know. Hey, I know. hey, Savon, did you see yes. that every single County by us removed the mask mandate except for Santa Clara County? No, but I saw I saw LA's having the Super Bowl, but your kids still have to wear a mask. You are a fucking idiot if you're putting a mask on your kids still and they're doing the Super Bowl in LA. You're a fuck, you're an you're a monster. You're a monster. It's crazy. That's a whole another story, but yes. The How fact is the that, Super Bowl in fucking LA? No, my favorite part. Savon, it's a state of emergency in LA right now. Yeah. But we're gonna have the Super Bowl there. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter what side of the politics you fall on. That in itself is like, wait, hang on. You have a state of emergency where you have to wear a mask indoors, yet you're at the same time going to host the Super Bowl. I just, I, it does, I just don't get it. Hey, dude, it's a stadium that sits 70,000 people that they're going to, they've sold 101,000 tickets to. So like there's, they're going to be, I mean, I've been to the Super Bowl before. I wasn't, I went to the one in Dallas. You're packed in there like fucking sardines, dude. And by the way, all of these events are super spreader events. All of them. The CrossFit Games, Wadapalooza, and the Super Bowl will be of epic proportions. Go there and get your virus now. Oh, man. It's Whew. crazy. All right. Hey, let me ask you that, by the way, while we're off on this tangent. I promise we won't go back here again. Will the games, will the games allow people to compete this year with COVID? 
is there going to be this nonsense where you test positive and you can't compete? Are they just going to like, will they just, is there going to be testing at the games this year? It's so unfair to the athletes. I, I think they're going to, I think by then, especially in Minnesota, I, I, I would hope that they just like, it's one of those like, don't ask, don't tell, like just yeah. let it ride thing. I, I think that's what ultimately is going to happen because what's going to happen is you're going to don't ask, don't gonna, tell you're so 1990s, Jason. I love you. Or, or what? Maybe that wasn't the right term. <laughs> no, that's you know perfect. I mean? <laughs> that's old school motherfuckers. That's perfect. Don't ask, don't tell. It's, Are you it's gay or do you have COVID? It's fine. Just don't tell us. <laughs> Welcome to the CrossFit Games. But if you don't test it. and you don't know, right? But if yeah, you test yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. you feel perfectly fine. It could just it, it could create this this controversy. So no, I don't think they're going to test. But um, hey, Eric says, come on, guys, they're handing out N95s to everyone. Uh, Travis, <laughs> you know, my favorite thing was is that the it's LA environmental mayor, disaster. Go hey, ahead. the LA mayor. Did you see this one, Savon? The LA mayor took a picture with someone, and he got a bunch of heat because he's like trying to do the whole mask, you know, nonstop. And uh, and he said he was holding his breath when he was taking it's- a picture with the guy. <laughs> Uh, sorry. Hey, and that reminds me of like the. Um, I'm sorry for all the Mormons out there. I love Mormons, but l- l- Mormons do this thing called soaking. They're not allowed to have sex, so that they found a way. If you just put the penis in the vagina and sit there and don't stroke it, it's not sex. It's just called soaking, and it's legit, and it gets you past some of the the biblical obstacles that would be uh, having sex. It's like that. So, uh, <gasps> for everybody listening. I am not anti-mask. I'm not anti-vax vax at all. At no, all. Just logical. Just that, a little bit logical. I just think that the fact that our county hasn't removed the mandate, but every other county has, is just is is really outrageous. Or the fact that you can hold your breath with a picture and it's all good. Um, those hey, that's all of, politics, by the way. Oh, all that's politics. All politics. That they that they don't give a shit about your constituents. Oh man. Are they covering their nose too? Otherwise, I don't know. Uh, Okay, man, I heard there's 400 million masks in the ocean already. Is, do you think oh, that's true? Jesus. Can that be that's true? That's the worst thing I've heard today. I know that is painful, right? Eric says those N95s are going to end up as toilet paper for the homeless after the game. Uh, you cannot make this shit up. He held his breath. <clears throat> Okay, um, so so Brian, do you, do you have you heard anything about that? In all honesty, will they be testing, or, or is that is that? I don't know. I don't no know. update in that policy. Okay, it'd be I'm nice on the if same they page didn't. as you. I hope not. Yeah, it'd be nice if they didn't. I mean, look, okay. all we had to hear, all we had to hear was from Justin Cotler the other day. He had two athletes who were competing at the games. One of them felt very very sick and was unable to compete. The other one felt totally fine but failed the test and was unable to compete. Yeah, should be up to the athletes. I mean, Jordan was out there with the fucking death flu, Michael. And people Jordan. make responsible decisions anyway. I mean, Ricky was was really sick at Wadapalooza, and they 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 called it the yeah. day of the competition. You it's know what I heard? Yeah. I, I heard that the reason why Ricky got sick at Wadapalooza is on his way to Wadapalooza, he went swimming in the water at Madison, and and that's why okay, he got okay. sick. Okay, let's go back to the summer. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> Um, hey, uh, uh, real quick, Savon, or Matt is asking, uh, would you like to see grappling or wrestling in the games? Um, we've definitely, uh, Savon and I have talked about this. I actually think Brian, we all spoke about this. I, I would like to see some form of, um, combatives at one point in the games, but it probably won't happen. But I think if you're going to test for the fittest on earth, some level of, of combatives would, would, would seem to be an appropriate measure, but. At, at, then at that point you might um 
it might go down a whole different tangent. But I think if you're going to test for fitness on earth and not test any sort of physical combatives, I, I think there could be our argument for that. I, I, I don't think that there should be at the games, but I do agree. I do think there is a place for it. And uh, the, the Spartan guys doing it. And I would oh, like to see yeah, Jason like go the over there. I, I'd like to see Jason go over there and enter that, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Jason, if, if we you got to roll with Nicky Rodriguez, you're so fucking cool. Were you scared? You're, Sorry, Brian. Were you scared? Just real quick. Were you scared? Would you be scared, Savon? You're fucking terrified. I was scared yeah. for you. I was scared for you. I was scared for myself. Okay, good. That you're normal. Okay, good. That's how that makes me feel better. Okay, go ahead, Brian. Sorry. Jason, if we if we asked you to do a max L sit hold today, would you beat your time from the games back 10 years ago? No, dude, I held a minute that time because <laughs> I, I had been adding LSAT holds into my training for like the previous six months because I wanted to uh, strengthen my hip flexors. And uh, dude, there's no way. No way. Did you win that, Jason? I mean, you know. He did. Yeah. He did. And he was very clever. He took off his shoes and socks, which was no rule about competing without shoes at that time. So he had a little extra leeway before his heels hit the plate. He's not just all muscle. He's brain too. You know. Uh, yeah, all good, man. That was that was that was an interesting event to win. I actually I actually liked it, especially because I like the stuff that comes back around that Greg wrote about in the early two thousands. And even though I think it's absolutely insane that he thinks a three minute L sit is possible, it was always a part of the core curriculum. Yeah. Clive Clive just said the craziest thing ever. You're crazy. He says, this common sense should surely reach the States by the summer. I apologize, Clive. There is no common sense in the States. Okay, so so we go, we finished the quarterfinals, and then we moved to the semifinals. And just so, so in, in the last chance qualifiers after the semifinals, right? We, we haven't even talked about that. Well, right? it's technically a part of the semifinals, but okay. the semifinals is the part of the season that I think uh, me, people are most – uh, maybe up in arms about right now because the news is the most recent and it's still the part of the season that I am most frustrated with from CrossFit's perspective. I, I mean, I have some understanding and empathy about why some of these things are the way they are, but I think there's a better way. Okay. And, and what's the deal with the semifinals? Is that the one that they've released some of the workouts already, or they've talked about what the workout? So the, the updated information. And, and about sorry, the one more thing. This, the semifinals is a live event. Well, <laughs> is this the first, is this the first live event in the season? It's meant to be. Yes. Okay. And hopefully they'll all be live this year. Um, oh. But the semifinals, uh, as they're currently laid out, uh, span four weeks. And then there's, I guess, a three week gap or something, two more weeks before the last chance qualifiers which ends up, and Jason, I would really love to get your perspective on this as an athlete. It ends up that there's potentially 38 days between the first person and the last person qualifying for the games with the last person having less time than that to prepare for the games. So, you know, when regionals were going on, do you remember what the split was, Brian? Um, I mean, there was always like this idea that, so when regionals were going on, I don't know how the semifinals are going, but um, when regionals were occurring, they would have like, let's just say like uh, NorCal, SoCal, then it would be like Midwest this, and it would be like over the span of, if I'm not mistaken, a month, three to four weeks. Is that, does that sound mm -hmm. about right, Brian? Yeah. And it's basically the same format for semifinals now. And, you know, I would say as an athlete, I wanted to go in the second week. That was the week that I wanted to go because I was able to watch the first week, be able to see how the athletes performed on the particular events, look at their times as a, as a idea. 
test it a little bit the next week in the gym, but not so much that I'm just belaboring. You know, I had gone one time in week one, week two, and then one time week like four or whatever. You have so long to dread on these workouts and to test them that you overthink them. And so um, I would like to go like week two, but I do think there's a disadvantage for the people that go. There's an advantage and disadvantage if you go last. The advantage is you've seen all these weeks. You know exactly what times are. You've seen- But the workouts aren't all the same. They're not all the same. Only so some of them are. In regionals, they were always the same. Last year for semifinals, there was no uniform programming. And recently, CrossFit announced that this year at semifinals, two of the workouts will be the same at every semifinal. And the rest will be left up to the interpretation of the programmers within certain unspecified parameters that CrossFit is administering. Then let I would have wanted to say, go in week one or week two then, because then you have more time to prepare. Yeah. Let me say a couple of things here uh, just to help out here. Uh, um, Brian, are you implying this 30 – will you explain that 38-day thing again and, and then sure. really drive it home so Jason, I think, knows what you're talking about there? And then yeah. of those two – one quick question. Of those two workouts that will be unified over the um, all the semifinals, how many are there in total workouts? We don't know. Last year, one of the big um, – controversies I thought around semifinals is that some of the semifinals, including the ones that were programmed by CrossFit online, had, I think, six workouts, and some of the semifinals had seven workouts. And in my opinion, and I actually documented this with some data to back it up, six compared to seven workouts is significant in terms of it's it still does. a relatively small sample size. And it's, yeah, and it's not going to affect the first or second place person, but it will affect potentially the fourth and fifth place person. And and are you an advo- are you advocating for seven workouts instead of six? I think at that point in the season, seven workouts over three days is very reasonable and expected from the caliber of athletes that we're trying to send to the games. Yeah, for sure. So twenty percent of the workouts are are the same between every regional, approximately, and and the other semifinal. Different. Semifinal. Sorry. Okay. So li- Jason, I think the concern Brian has with the semifinal schedule is the fact that how much rest people get. Between no, no, scroll, the- we can scroll back up there. You can see the first week, there are three semifinals. This one says it's TBD, but it's the one that's in Oceania. It's one of the European semifinals, and now it's going to be the syndicate crown in Tennessee that the MAC is, is uh, the people who run the MAC are going to be putting out. And so they'll have had their qualifier by May 22nd, and they'll know that they're going to the games. And then even we can just el- even eliminate the last chance qualifier. If you go down to week four, you see that there are also three, three semifinals another one from North America, the other one from Europe, which means that in Europe, you're either going week one or week four, which is a huge, huge difference. And then the one in in South America. And And when are the games just really quick? July what? uh, August 3rd this year. Okay. So we can say from May 22nd to June 12th, what is this? 13 plus 12, 25 days between the first and last qualifiers from the semifinals. However, from each of those semifinals, there's going to be three men and three women who also advance to the last chance qualifier. Now, just that, and, and therefore, and that doesn't happen until June 29th, ending on July 1st. And so you ha- ultimately could have maybe Jason finishes fifth at the North American semifinal in week one, and I finish sixth, one point behind him, and barely miss it. And I make the last chance qualifier, and I have to wait till June 29th to take my next shot to make it. And because I was one point worse than him, but I end up, I end up being the best guy at the last chance qualifier and make it anyway. Now, while Jason's been preparing for the game since May twenty second, I don't get to start preparing for the games until July second. And I've just done a competition. 
I'll have to have a little bit of recovery from that. And the game starts a month later. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would just say, Brian, it pays to win, right? Like for sure. I mean, I, you know, if you, if you don't want to be last chance qualifier and have to worry about that competition and get ready for the games a month later, then. And that's why I broke it down into two separate segments there, because what do you do if let's say that, you know, we're both in Let Europe. Me translate for people. Jason said, don't be a pussy and win. Okay, go on. I, no, 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 no. But I'm not even going to buy that argument because CrossFit has created this scenario and it's totally unnecessary. And I can talk about that in a second. But You're even saying if they, how, and how is weekend? that? What What's the quick fix, Brian, to remove week four? Do I'll do all of the semifinals in three weeks? Is that what you're saying? I think it should be in two weeks. I and think two it weeks. should be the same programming. And I think that they should take all the people who didn't qualify. If they want to have a last chance qualifier and allow for the potential that they've already mis, mis, uh, distributed the spots for the games based on regions, that there's the, the best people will outperform all the best, all the rest of the people on those workouts. And when you rank them on what used to be called the all regional rank leaderboard, then you just take your last chance qualifier from that, that thing. And over a two week time period, the best people who won to, to use Jason's word will make it through. And at the most, they'll have a seven day advantage to prepare for the games over the other half of the field. As a fan, I hate it. How, you, you, how am I supposed to follow no. all? How am I supposed to follow an extra? Look at the semifinals. Look at the semifinals over four weeks, and you want to smash it into two weeks? Uh, Fuck the athletes. I want. Let's worry about the fans. Well, one of the big that shit out to eight weeks. One of the big problems with the current (laughs) format is that it's really hard to follow because there's forty-five different workouts going on. But if there were only seven or six different workouts going on, that would simplify Uh, it all to begin with. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Second of all, do it in two weeks and have them do all the same workout, and then you don't have to worry about that. I agree. Yeah, and I already explained how you can space it out across time zones. So you have one from Oceania or Asia in week one, the other one in week two. You have the Africa paired with one from Europe. You have the other Europe paired with South America. And then you have one from North America on the East Coast, one from the West Coast, et cetera. And it can line up so they're not really overlapping. You can have the scheduling of the competition be like it probably should be anyway, which is on any given day, the teams compete in a three-hour block in the morning and the individuals compete in a three-hour block in the evening relative to their own time zones. Um, hey, Savon, so I got to jump off because my daughter's doing a, giving a presentation here in about five minutes. But I just want to say, Brian, I appreciate the insights. I, I personally think when I look at it, yeah, is there a better way of doing it? Will it evolve in the future? Sure, maybe, yes. Um, they probably didn't want all the events on the same weekend or two weekends just in case – I mean, there's probably a variety of reasons why I think as an athlete, you just take it and you say, Hey, look, I'm in week four. Like it is what it is. My preparation is going to be adjusted because of that. Or maybe I'm in week one. My preparation needs to change because of that. And there's pros and cons to all of this, but ultimately, man, you got to take what's in your control and just go out there and go smash it. I guess that's just would be my outlook as an athlete is that what weekend I go is outside my control. What's in my control is how I'm going to prepare for that particular weekend. I'm going to smash that shit so I don't have to go to the last chance qualifier and go right into the games and make it happen. So that's a little bit of positivity to end on. Uh, but uh, Positivity. Hey, always positivity. Hey, make sure you get that CEO shirt so I get my cup of coffee, you know what I'm saying? And maybe a little bit of gas money to get me over the hill, Savon. Hey, if you come to the beach um, and you want to hang uh, uh, Saturday or Sunday, call me. Yeah. Hey, Brian, it was great catching up with you. Uh, Susa, hope you're doing great. Everybody listening, hope you guys have a great day. Uh, Savon, I'll catch up with you in a little bit. You're the best, Jason. Thank you, brother. See you guys. See you, Jason. Um, this is a good question, Brian. Can the athletes cherry pick which semifinal they go to? How, what's the what's the process of which semifinal they go to? First of all, completely agree with J- with uh, Jason's perspective on the athletes. 
And that's exactly how any athlete or coach combination should be approaching it. And they should not be the ones complaining or criticizing the season layout. They should just be reacting to it and preparing for it. That's what we have opportunities for people like us to have conversations like this, not because we want to say CrossFit's doing a bad job or that they could do a better job. We're just kind of seeking out, is there, is this really the best way? And does it really, does it really make sense to have this much time pass at that point in the season for that caliber athlete? We're just asking questions. As far as the seating goes, it's a little bit uncertain because of the language that's um, used in the rule book, but uh there's last year, you know, I, I don't know how they're going to do it this year. Last year, they said that they were using their ranking from quarterfinals, their geographical location, and their responses from an athlete survey to seed the athletes in North America and Europe. So they use some kind of combination of those things to do it. This year, I don't know. It doesn't say that that specific. It doesn't say that in those specific terms in the rule book. It just sums it that says basically that they're going to do it in a fair way and distribute the athletes. I, again, think that this should just be eliminated as a topic of conversation by having a uniform method to do it. And, you know, the other thing is if someone asked, would they love to hear what CrossFit says about these things? Yeah, I'd love to know the conversations that go on and how they come up with these decisions, but I don't. And from my perspective over here, if you're going to take 60 men and 60 women in Europe, just seat them. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And just go back and forth in a snake. You have two lists of athletes, and then you just draw it out of a hat. List one, you guys are going to the lowlands. List two, you're going to the strength and depth. That's your assignment. Get ready. And you could do that with four in the in the United States. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And then after they're seated, based on their performance in quarterfinals, you just draw. And someone's like, well, what if you live in the West Coast and you get drawn on the East Coast? So so what? Get over there and, and do the competition. And part of the problem, part of the responsibility of CrossFit is, and we still haven't seen this come out, you have to make it worthwhile for the athletes who are at least in contention to win to make that that trip over there semifinals is one of the biggest competitions of the year for the athletes and there's not really any financial um feedback kickback from that including the fact that even if you make the games you're not guaranteed any money at the games it's it's um yeah it's it's tough it's 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 it's, it's weird it's it's there there someone is not going to be happy no matter how they do it first of all let's just say that Maybe. And of course, there's the logistics of putting on the event. 100%. And we should talk about that too, because the other thing that recently happened with regards to semifinals is that they announced the last two. And the Granite Games is going to be back this year in week three of semifinals in Minnesota. And we know that the team there has experience and capacity to put on a good event. And then they've announced that the Syndicate Crown is going to be happening in week one and that it's basically going to be run and organized by the same group which comes out of 12 Lavers CrossFit in Maryland, uh, led by Wilson Pock, who's recently done interviews with Tommy and Sean on Talking Elite Fitness. He actually was on with us last night for the morning chalk up, and we'll have a, an interview with him coming out next week. And they, um, they also run the Mid-Atlantic CrossFit Challenge the next weekend, which is also in Tennessee. I love the fact that they're doing it in a place where they know they can host live competition. And I respect the fact that given the limited time in which they had to make this, this decision, to you know, find a new um, semifinal host and the fact that there's not that much time between now and when the semifinal is going to run, that they went with someone who has a lot of experience doing it because it's not easy to put on these events. Who are you talking? Are you talking about Wilson Pack on his team? Yeah. Yeah. Um, does, do you know him? Yeah. Does he like me? Yeah. It's all about me. Good. 
good, good. Remember, he was uh, in the background of our one of ah, our things. The at naked Wadapur. man. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. yes. I Oh, who's it? Sorry, my grinder date. This, this is this is totally self-serving. Who's in charge of the media over there? Would I contact that guy and be like, "Hey, can I send someone over there with an iPhone to do behind the scenes?" Who do I talk to about that shit? Uh, I don't do, know I talk to, do I talk to Elaine is. over at DEI at uh, CrossFit HQ? Like, who do I? Where do I go to? To? Um, I don't know. I'm uh, I'm not sure. All right, I'll send Wilson. Uh, I'll I'll watch those interviews with um. Oh, maybe I, that's what I need to do. I need to invite him on the show and kiss his ass a little bit and see if I can get into uh, get into that event. It's a pretty cool name, Syndicate. What does that mean? Hey, I just Googled um, CrossFit Games Instagram. You're going to love this. Yeah, you're not, maybe you won't love this. I just Googled CrossFit Games Instagram. I use DuckDuckGo. And look, who's, look who comes up first. <laughs> the Dave Castro profile comes up when you Google CrossFit Games Instagram. Fascinating, right? Fascinating. Not fascinating? Uh, it says a lot. Uh, okay. There's nothing we can do about the semifinals now other than, like, like there's, there's no point in complaining about it, right? There's no, it's just like, hey, we can give this feedback. We can talk about what's, what, what possibly we no, think. No, no, and I know, and I know, right? Yeah, yeah. And I know I, maybe I get a little, a little emotional whatever talking about it, but ultimately the semifinals, um, there are eight of them that are being run by, by organizational bodies that have done this for a long time. And two that I don't know necessarily uh, who's running them. That's the one in, in Asia, which I've heard some conflicting things about, and the one in South America that's brand new. But they're probably all going to be great events. Hopefully, they're all able to happen live. I think that every one of them that has to go online is a, is a you know an unfortunate circumstance. And I really hope that the decisions about where to have them, as we talked about on a previous show, isn't what ultimately forces some of them to be online. <clears throat> um, yeah, I still think that there's an opportunity for uh, CrossFit to make some decisions in the coming months that can enhance the overall quality and uh, re- like reception from the community about these events, those things would be do, you know, doing everything they can to get them online, having a, a a very easy, understandable way to communicate how they seated the athletes, making sure that not all of the Canadians have to compete together. Those those types of things um, would go a long way. And then also, hopefully, having some. Uh, it doesn't have to be a ton, but like I think that it. It would be a miss if they don't increase the prize purse at semifinals at least by a little bit this year. If anyone wants, um, if anyone who's running these events wants us to uh, the Seven Podcast to participate and blow it up, we will go out. I mean, we'll, we'll try to anyway. You don't. There's, but we will. If you want to work with us, feel free to reach out to me or Brian or Matt Souza, and we will do our best to get someone on the ground there and cover your event as best as possible throughout the weekend and and, and make it even more accessible and more fun for the fans. If you didn't see what we did at Wadapalooza, please check that out. If you don't want us there, that's fine too. You can also be like, "Hey, stay the fuck away." I'm no hard feelings, but I would love for anyone. Who Are you wants prepared us- to send someone to South Korea? I mean, I'm prepared to like find someone. Yes, yeah, Susan will go anywhere. Just fucking put him in. I have a submarine. The Seven Podcast now owns a submarine, a Russian sub that we got on eBay, and we will go uh, anywhere. No, if anyone, anyway, seriously, we could, and we'll cooperate with anyone to do that. It's so fun. It was so cool what it added to Wadapalooza. It's so fun. Um, and of course, then we will we would invest more of our interest and time into uh, interviewing those athletes who go there too, and only at a small cost to you for one bag of coffee. Um, 
Brian, what do we know what the two workouts are for the semifinals that will be consistent over all eight of them? What did they tell us about those workouts? Nothing, but in addition to the fact that they're programming two semifinals, this was actually in that same Hopper email that we were referencing earlier. Not two um, semifinals, two semifinal two workouts. Two semifinal workouts, excuse okay. me, yes. That they also are going to have some guidelines or parameters that the programmers must operate within. And I think this is important. There's two notable things that uh, really jumped off the page. Well, there's more than two, but there's two that I'll talk about. That jumped off the page last year that people were, and including me, were a little bit critical of, uh, there were fallouts of the result that everyone had the, each semifinal had the opportunity to program for themselves. And so, you know, at there didn't seem to be a really long or endurance type of event at the Granite Games where there were at every other semifinal. And there didn't seem to be, oh, and then at the West Coast Classic, there was a workout that involved a pretty hefty deficit strict inch, six, deficit six inch handstand pushup. I think I'm parallettes which is fine. It's totally fine to test that at semifinals, but I think that that needs to be tested at every semifinal if it's going to be tested for the same reason. If you look back to 2013 or 2014, where in subsequent years, Katrin David's daughter and Sam Briggs failed to advance from the regionals because of legless rope climbs, very high skill movement, and handstand walking. Not so high skill anymore, but it was back then. So if you're going to have a high skill movement like a strict deficit handstand push-up, a legless rope climb, a handstand walking obstacle course, a super high volume of ring muscle-ups, then they need to be te- that needs to be tested at every competition because um, it, it is a limiter for certain athletes. Okay, uh, fair right. enough. I, it, ju- it just seems like uh, t- time has – man, it just doesn't seem like – I hear you. You think hand. You think you think you think parallel. What was the what was the movement? Parallel hands. Parallel handstand push ups. Deficit parallel handstand push ups. You so you're basically saying if that's going to be in one, it should be in all of them. Yeah. Uh, and, and and then it, from there it would get more difficult, and it would be ring handstand push ups, and you would feel the same about them. For yeah, for sure. If they're if that's at one, it should be at all. And why don't, why don't they also say, why don't they also say, Hey, these are the two that you must have. And maybe it will be those movements will be in all of those, Brian, yet to be seen. It could be, but then it still leaves that other one, you know? So, and that's why they're the parameters that CrossFit imposes for the rest of the workouts. Maybe they say, we're going to program two. You have to program four. Yes. That's what I'm thinking. They need to give a number of how many more there need to be. All of them need to have the same amount. But all of this is unknown. And what they and what hopefully is happening, because you have to keep in mind also that it's part of a season. It's part of a story. So if you have the open that's programmed by one person or one group, and you have the quarterfinals that's programmed by the same person or the same group, and then you have the semifinals that's programmed by a random assortment of other people, and then you bring everyone back together and have the finals that's programmed by the same original person or group, that it's something's missing there. That's why the sectionals didn't last past one year. That's why regionals came into existence is because they're like, we understand that even over the course of the entire season, not everything is going to be tested. And the athletes and coaches know that too. You have to be prepared for everything. And you have to understand that the thing you're most prepared for might not show up. The thing you're least prepared for might not show up. You don't know what you're going to get year to year. That's what Dave was really good at. And he seemed to always be a, a step ahead of the game. Now we have this big question mark in the middle of the season where you might be like, Man, this is perfect. I made it to the semifinals, and I know at semifinals they're going to test running in a long time domain because they weren't able to in quarterfinals, 
and the open, but they're definitely going to have at least three events that have running in the game. So they have to test it here. And then suddenly you go to a semifinal and there's no running in it. And you're like, what the, what the hell? But every other semifinal had running in it. Why didn't mine have running in it? And it's like, well, you could say that, use the same argument and say, well, you got unlucky in that draw. But really, I would zoom out further and say, no, this is on the organizational team of the season. And that for that season, the test should be parallel. I, I, know, I know I'm partitioning these three it, it, for the sake of conversation, and there's overlap for all of them. But what you are saying, what are the implications for these three groups of people? What are the implications for the athletes? What are the implications for the fans? And what is the implications for the judging? And I mentioned the judging because more and more I keep hearing about that, about the the super duper importance of consistency in workouts and the argument that workouts should be the same. And maybe there should only be 50 workouts that CrossFit ever chooses from, et cetera, so that you can get judges who become very, very um, qualified and practiced at judging these workouts. So let's start with this this problem that you're suggesting. What are the implications for the athletes? Is there any chance we're not getting the best people? No. Right. We're still getting the best. Mm. So for the athletes, I would say they have to adapt Jason's mentality. I'm going to get sorted into one of these semifinals uh, by whatever means CrossFit decides. And some of the programs, then some of the program is going to be left up to the organizers uh, of that program. And my, I just have to be ready for it, whatever it is. That's all the athletes should be thinking about. The implications, if you want to take a, a more wide view, I think is that you, you could potentially miss out on having the best athletes at the games. And what are the implications for the fans? What are the, what, why should the fans care about this? Well, you could, I could see this going either way for the fans. For some people, it's really appealing to know that every athlete who made the semifinals, which is 300 across the, around the world for men and 300 for women, did the same workouts. And so we have something that we can draw on and say, yeah, they might have done it in week one, two, or three, but they all did the same workouts. And we can see relatively that the people in this region were better than this region or that this guy who hasn't competed in three years, Ricky Garrard or whatever, outperformed some of his biggest competitors on four of the six workouts. Like we can start to have conversations like that leading into the games, with which breeds excitement, I think. The ability to compare and contrast athletes' prepare, comparison uh, um, performances or performances across different regions and continents. It also gives opportunity a more a CrossFit, a more solid opportunity to do what I think they should be doing every year, which is reevaluating how the game spots are distributed based on relative performance at the highest level. But if they're all random, then all of those things are kind of uh, missing to some degree. Right now with two being programmed and the rest of them not being programmed the same, it's there's a little bit of an in-between. Yes, we can compare those two, but then there's still a lot of variables on the rest of it. However, there's other fans, and I think that some of the people in the comments have said stuff like this, that they like the fact that there are new and exciting workouts uh, week to week. They like that that different people in different parts of the world can program a little bit differently to suit their climate or culture or whatever. That was one of the things that was super popular about sanctionals, for example. Um, So I could see it either way for the fans. The Open is a true equal worldwide test. Does having semi suggest they don't truly believe the Open is representation of worldwide ranking? I'm going to take a quick stab at that. I don't. No, I don't think that. I think basically what happens is if if the it's just basically the Open is people's commitment to the Open is probably affected by the quarterfinals and semifinals. By that I mean if you went straight from the Open to the games, the Open would be the it, it would it would be it would be equal to the games it would be equal to the games 
equal to the game. And that's why I, I, I actually like that model. I like going straight from the, I, I like it that someone can qualify. Maybe you do have a semifinals. I don't like the quarterfinals, but I, maybe you do have someone, if you finish in the top 10 at the open, you automatically go to the games. I, I mean, I, I, I like that. I like giving more clout to the open, but I don't think it's that they don't believe in the worldwide ranking. I think that you undermine, and, and that's what the bias, I'm using that word, um, undermine um, the the power of the open by having quarterfinals and semifinals. I don't say that in a derogatory way, even though I'm couching it like that. Go ahead, Brian. I wanted to say something about the, um, like they send out those certificates to the fittest in every country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool. But I don't even know what they're basing that on necessarily because um, I mean, and I don't think he did last year, but you know, Rich was right up towards the top of the open last year. Mm-hmm. But he, to- he chose to compete on the – I guess he would have been – there were still f- three other guys from North America ahead of him or from USA ahead of him. But, yeah. like, let's say he'd finished second instead of fifth in the Open last year and then chose to compete on a team the rest of the season. Was he the, is he the guy who gets the fittest in the USA or is it the guy who f- places the best in the games from USA? Uh, hmm. I, well, uh, oh, and there was something weird like that in Canada, right? What was it? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Adler won the Open, but can't, but Vellner was the fittest in Canada or something. So there's all these little incongruencies that, that pop up. Overall, no, the Open is a is a good test, but I don't think I don't like it as a qualification to the games because I think that it misses out on some of the key components that you're going to want people who are competing at the games to have, which is the ability to recover quickly and perform again, and the and the proven ability to compete in front of a live audience and next to when you're lining up next to your other competitors. Well, will we get, would we get better judging if we had consistency in the events? I think so. That's the last um, area that you wanted to address. And so there's several reasons, especially with the layout as they have it now, that this could be where there's four weeks and therefore there's a possibility for judges to judge at more than one of the semifinals. If there's two weeks, they could, I mean, they could still do it. They could have five judging teams that go, you know, they, they are in Oceania one week and Asia the next, or they're in Tennessee back-to-back weeks or whatever, which, by the way, is going to happen for the syndicate and Mac this year. Um, but also then CrossFit, who would be in this model programming all the workouts, could have something prepared visually, aesthetically, a little course online that says if you're going to judge at semifinals, you got to run through this course or you have to attend this Zoom meeting where we're going to go through the workouts, talk about judging standards, et cetera. So they have the opportunity to prepare a little bit more ahead of time for those things and then hopefully be more consistent when it comes time to actually judge as well. Someone from one of the uh, semifinals just reached out to me. Nice. Yeah, that was quick. Thank you. Thank you. I'll sleep better. I am not even close to the fittest in Armenia. Um, Armenia is one of those weird countries that has like really, really, really bizarre fit people in. Um, you, you know, it's just a small country. Everyone's inbreeding. It's like Iceland. Like there's just dudes there who can throw weights like crazy weights, crazy wrestlers there, crazy the guy, fight community, crazy fight community. Go ahead, Brian. I think that the guy who was the fittest from Armenia, his last name was like Belavicious. His first name might have even been like Ar- Armenia. Or something like that. Armin Belavicious. He, did, he didn't have an IAN at the end? Uh, maybe I'm thinking of the wrong country, but that name comes to mind. Anyway, those guys out of that country are savages. I, I am a more procured, I am a more refined Armenian. I, I've come to the civilized land of the Americas, the United States. Those guys over there, just like, they probably still train with rocks and shit. Armenia is like no joke. It's like Georgia or Iran or like you don't want to like wrestle or 
do any fitness shit with those guys. They're like Russians, basically. Not not in their culture, but in their in their toughness. They're not Canadian. Let's put it that way. Okay, uh, Brian, is there is uh, we're at uh, ninety minutes? Is there um, so so? To tell me about this. So we were talking about something yesterday. And you were telling me about. Um, I want to finish on this. An article you have coming out. Um, this is this is actually very very important. Most sports okay, I was going I'm sorry. Arminus Belovish has finished 43rd at the games in 2019, but he's from Lithuania. I was mistaken on that. Ah, uh, Lithuanian, Armenian, whatever. Um, so there is a um, a lot of sports we know going in. We know the rankings for sports, people's oh, yeah. favorite sports. Usually, you know who the best, you know, 155 pound fighter is in the UFC. You know who the best 171 pound fighter is and you know in in boxing we know going into the beginning of the season of, of the nfl um who the best teams are and it's not something that we've really pushed in crossfit and yesterday brian was telling me that he's written an article for the morning chalk up um when is that coming out probably next week and it's going to be a uh, a power ranking so we will know going into this season um who who the best people are who who and and by the best you mean who is the best in terms of at the end of the games in 2020 it's kind of a 2022 games prediction yeah and I, there are there are people who've done like power rankings based on recent competitive performance before um and that's cool and fine but what they're missing there is someone like a Sarah Sigmund's daughter or a Ricky Garrard who's been absent from the competition scene even a Roman Krenikov etc because they've had injury suspension or are not access to travel. Whereas in this model, I'm able to, I'm not solely relying on competition performance. I'm looking at the total field, the total test and all the athletes that I'm aware of who are probably going to compete. And I'm saying heading into the 2022 season, these are the 10 best athletes on the men's and women's field in order. And then we can, the nice thing about that is you can reevaluate after the quarterfinals, you can reevaluate after the semifinals. And then obviously, you know, in other sports, they, as soon as the games end, they would say, "Whoop! Here's the next, the top ten for next year." Right? Are there any surprises in your list so far, Brian? Is there anyone you're like, "Holy shit! I didn't expect to see that." Name? I would say that just in general, the surprise was how difficult it was. Okay. Um, so I left out, you know, five or six from each list that I think easily I could easily make a case for squeezing into the top ten. But even amongst the ones that I put in there, um, you know, there were several places along the lines where I was like, "Man." I'm not sure if this person or that person, but I uh, wrote what I did was I wrote my justification for each one of them. And then I kind of like just balanced those out against each other. And I said, I think this is a stronger case than that in those situations. So when this article comes out, uh, we'll try to get Brian back on. We'll try to talk to him about um, those lists. And then also maybe, Brian, we can um, – since you're, if you don't include it in the article or even if you do, it would be nice to see the the top 20 even. Just a quick look at those people who didn't make it. Give them a nod. Talk about like the tough decisions. For sure. Love to do it. All right. Is there anything else you want to so – we, so we know – just so we know, the, the Open starts on – 24th, February 24th. At and I'm guessing that's a Thursday. Is that the announcement? Yes. And they're announcing it at noon Pacific time instead of 5 p.m. Pacific time this year. And that's a three-week event that will be announced every Thursday at noon, according to Brian. And then uh, we will go into the quarterfinals, which, which will start March 24th. And then the semifinals, which is in May. And then the games, which are August 3rd. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll keep you guys up to speed here, um, I guess. I mean, that's the plan, right? Yeah, that's the plan. Thank you. Thank you. Souza?
Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Brian. You're always such a wealth of knowledge bringing to it. We always appreciate your time on the show here. I know. All right, enough of that bullshit. Enough of that.